tells me that it is a very common misconception to believe that Social Security is only for older folks. Um, and while this is half true, there is a whole other part of Social Security that deals in disability benefits. Um, about a year into the treatments, she asked me if everything was squared away with the Social Security disability checks. Um, she assumed because I worked in human resources that I would know that my loved one would be eligible. Often, people go through life-changing experiences without any guidance. But what if you had the tools available to help you in your journey? I welcome you to the Misguided Notions podcast. Our mission is to create a space where we discuss thought-provoking topics with people that go through real-life experiences. My goal is to inspire, empower, and help build awareness to a number of issues that our society doesn't really talk about. So listen in, engage in conversation, and if you'd like, share your story. Welcome to the Misguided Notions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I was inspired to talk about this particular topic after speaking with my friend Kim, who gave a lot of information and insight into a recent experience that she had to undergo to apply and assist a loved one with social security disability. And she does have a background in human resources, which was a big source of help. However, just to a certain extent, it helped her in a sense that she was very persistent. She didn't mind making phone calls. But remember, she was able to do this helping her loved one. So she wasn't the actual person going through this. So I can't even imagine someone having to go through this as far as navigating social security and at the same time going through some sort of an illness. And that is just within itself so overwhelming and super stressful. And the last thing that you want to do if you're going through something like this is to have to worry about your benefits and not knowing when your next pay is going to come. I mean, that is just so stressful. And I hear this kind of stuff all the time. But she really did give some great tips for people out there that might be going through this. Or maybe you have a loved one that might be having to go through a similar experience. And she actually educated me on a lot of different things that I had no idea. And it's just going to help me to be a better clinician. And I really do appreciate that. And I really encourage you to... Definitely, if you know someone that might be going through this, get a pen and paper, (laughs) write this down. But I definitely will uh, include a lot of things in the show notes. And I would like to also add, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the Misguided Notions podcast. she recently had but before I go into that I'd love for um Kim for you to tell for you to tell our listeners a little bit about you sure yeah I am 31 I yes I'm 31 going on 32 years old um I've been working in operations and human resources for 10 years at a company called Manhattan Prep it's a test prep company owned by Kaplan um I started out here doing back-end work like taxes and bank reconciliations and state and federal compliance stuff, benefit administration, all the non-sexy things that a company does, right? And so 
you know, fast forward 10 years, I've now graduated to running the operations department here and still have a heavy hand in helping out with the human resources things and all of the benefit administration. Okay. Wow. Sounds Sounds like you have a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, we wear a lot of hats here. It was a small company, and you know how small companies do. We end up doing everything, uh, all you know, ourselves, and then um, when we get too big, we start to get help here and there with certain things. But yeah, overall, we uh, we wear many hats here. Right, that's great. That's great, and it sounds like you're very well versed with regard to benefits. I mean, being as your position now, um, you do have to do a lot of back back end sort of things and having to sort out paperwork and going through a lot of tasks that could be very stressful and overwhelming, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Um, I've had a lot of people, a lot of employees come to me and pretty much just tell me, hey, can you show me how to be an adult? <laughs> because <laughs> just so many things about a 401k that people don't understand, health insurance that people don't understand. There's just so much lack of information out there in terms of basic benefits that many employees offer. And so I try to be there as the go-to person to help like a lot of employees get through those types of life decisions. Great, great. So, which brings me into the whole reason why I wanted to do this episode. A lot of like people not knowing and that sort of that sort of thing about being an adult and having to kind of find out some of these things. So, as I said earlier, Kim, I know had a recent experience with social security disability. So, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that, Kim? Yeah, of course. So I'll give you a little bit of background first. Um, in January 2017, a loved one of mine was diagnosed with stage four cancer, truly out of nowhere. Um, his family has zero history of any cancer. He eats right. I'm talking organic and whole wheat everything um, and takes very good care of himself physically. So it all came as a huge shock for us all. Um, and so quickly I became care. Um, and I figured anything I can do to help alleviate him of any other, you know, any worries outside of just taking care of himself, I wanted to do. So that included doing any paperwork for his job, any paperwork for um, the insurance companies, any doctor's appointments. I basically became that person to take care of all those things for him while he underwent treatment. So um, in the last year and a half, he's undergone several procedures that include uh, 20 rounds of chemo and two major surgeries that required at least three to four months recovery from each surgery. Um, he was unable to work throughout most of the treatment, um, but he is the type to try to go back to work even before he is ready. I'm sure a lot of us know somebody like that. <laughs> um, luckily, he is an employee of the city and res and received his regular paycheck every two weeks as if he was out sick. Um, I know not everyone is that fortunate who goes through who goes through this type of situation. So I was extremely happy that he at least didn't have to worry about um, the regular paycheck coming in every two weeks. Sure. Um, so because he received his paycheck every two weeks, um, I didn't think he was actually eligible for any kind of government benefits. And little did I know I was wrong. Um, I have a good friend who works in social security 
And she tells me that it is a very common misconception to believe that Social Security is only for older folks. Mm. Um, and while this is half true, there is a whole other part of Social Security that deals in disability benefits. Um, about a year into the treatments, she asked me if everything was squared away with the Social Security disability checks. Um, she assumed because I worked in human resources that I would know that my loved one would be eligible despite getting his regular paycheck every two weeks. Once um, you realized what was happening, she urged me every day. She pushed me every single day to apply. She said, and I quote, for every day that passes that you don't apply, you will likely wait an extra week for a response. Mm -hmm. And she was absolutely right. Um, overall, the whole process took about four months, um, and this was retroactive. He had already had the surgery. He had already been out of work and gone back to work. So this is retroactive. Um, and, and the four months was considered expedited because there is a terminal illness involved. Um, for anyone who does not have a terminal illness, the application process can be at least one to two years. Mm. You know, it's funny. I always tell people at least six months, at least, like at least mm -hmm. without having any type of, you know, terminal illness or what they call a uh, compassionate illness. Um, so with that said it was really because of your friend that you really like you found out about this really yeah had she not told me i would have been along my merry way and had never known and missed out on probably 25 to fifteen thousand dollars in payments mm -hmm. that i did not know that my loved ones one was even eligible for wow and you see what's funny is people always tell me like well sandrine you know I, I, I work for this company for X amount of years and they're supposed to tell me these things. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> and I, I wish, I wish there was a requirement where employers had to say this, these type of things, but really they don't even know themselves. Like you admitted that you, even though you, you have a background in human resources and you have a lot of experience with benefits and things like that, but you never knew that this was the case. Yeah, I had no idea. It was a total shock. In fact, I actually wrote her off the first week that she told me about it. I said, no, she's probably wrong. She works in Social Security that deals with older folks. She probably doesn't understand how disability went. I didn't even believe it myself that Social Security would still pay somebody who still received a paycheck. And she told me that it's wrong. As long as they're not working, even if they're getting paid, it doesn't matter. You can still apply. You can still qualify. So listeners, you heard, you heard it. So did you find the, the experience to be very difficult or was it kind of easy? Like, and let's take out your friend, like helping you. Like, let's pretend that wasn't the case. Like you didn't have her as maybe to guide you along the way, but mm -hmm. how would you say in your opinion? It was fairly difficult. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible, but it would, they didn't make it easy on you for sure. Um, the application process, I say, set aside a few hours to do this it is a very long process. And they will ask you questions about yourself that even you do not understand. Um, and well, one great thing about the application is that you can leave and come back to pick up where you left off whenever you want. And you can do it online. You don't have to fill out a paper form anymore, which I find very helpful. Okay. Um, but it still took me a good three days to complete using the stop and go method just for my own sanity because I couldn't sit there in front of the computer and answer hundreds of questions on end about my, about my loved one. <laughs> um, and, and they, I'm sorry, yes. go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, so you're doing this as an advocate. Imagine you being sick yourself and having to do this on your own with no one. Do you oh. think it's possible? Oh my goodness. I could not imagine. Mm -hmm. I am a perfectly healthy, capable person. And I was pulling out my hair trying to do this. If I had to, if I was the one who was actually sick and I had to do this, I probably wouldn't even do it. I mean, it is, you have to be mentally there. You have to be mentally, you know, in it to be able to um, want to do this and to complete doing it. It's just, you know, you don't know if you're even going to reap any benefits. So I imagine a lot of folks don't even want to apply because it's not worth it. It's not worth seeing whether or not you get a paycheck from social security or not. Right. Absolutely. And it's sad because the truth of the matter is if people don't know, I feel like, and a lot of people don't realize like, from the time you started working, as long as it's been on the books, like you could have been 16, 17 years old working, and all that time that you've been working on the books, they take out money for Social Security disability. Like it's taken out. So that is your money that you are entitled to for these what-if situations. And it's, it's really difficult to imagine that you have to literally jump through all these hoops just to get these benefits. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't, I, I totally understand that exactly what you just said, that we all pay into it. And so we are entitled to it. And the hoops that you have to jump through are truly, it's insane. And I'm not even sure if it's, if it means anything to the disability folks that are looking at these applications. Right. Um, you know, they, in the, during the application process, they, they ask you the basic questions that you think they would ask, you know, identification, work history, medical history, bank info. Um, it seems straightforward enough at first glance, but then they get very technical into the questions about your current situation that can be interpreted in several ways. And so now you're sitting here in front of your computer thinking, well, what if I answer this wrong? You know, they might deny me or, you know, who can I call to have this question clarified? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's 800 numbers that you can find online to call Social Security. But, you know, are they going to be helpful? Or are they going to give me correct information? Um, you know, I experienced both. I got some really good customer service from them and some really bad customer service from them. So it's, it's really a hit or miss. It's really tough. Absolutely. I could definitely see that. And the other thing I do know, I only found this out recently. I had no idea. There's a financial piece for disability determination. And then there's the medical piece, which is two separate departments. And apparently yes. for the two to get together, it's like, that is really like time consuming. And I, I don't know what the different layers of that and what it entails, but the fact that it seems as though there's two separate types of determinations, that in itself can make you be like, oh my God, like so overwhelming and stressful. Yes, absolutely. So the Social Security um, office that is in charge of your application is going to be your local um, office. Mm -hmm. And so when and you're absolutely right there is two separate determinations the medical determination is not determined by the people in the office but by a different group somewhere else that um you that you can't really contact uh just by googling a phone number you know you have to be given um this phone number by somebody from social security um you have to be contacted by them sometimes they have questions so it, it is a completely separate department you then have to deal with it just feels like two different applications that you're applying for wow and did at any point 
did you have to go in person or your loved one have to go in person? Well, multiple times. There were multiple times where I almost had to go in person um, and I persevered with the fax machine and eventually it got through. But there were multiple times where um, I had to fill out. Well, so part of the application process, right, after you fill out the initial form, you also have to fill out something called a worksheet. This worksheet is detailed uh, information about your work history um, from before the illness happened or injury and after. And so it's it's at least 20 pages, very in sections from each so you can describe things that the questions didn't cover. Um, it's very extensive. And every time, every time um, you have any kind of change, a change can count as you stop working, you started working, um, the illness came back, another injury occurred, whatever happens, you have to fill out this worksheet all over again. So it can be a very small change and you'd still have to refill out every single page and refile. And that, um, it, it's, it's very important because this, this is the one thing that they actually look at. So all the questions you answer, even if you answered it wrong, they, you can put what you actually meant in the notes section and they will call you and ask you to clarify so you can actually speak to a human person. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was very, it was, that was very comforting to hear because I didn't know how to answer most of these questions. I didn't know if I was answering these questions. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like one question I remember was, you know, are your illnesses, injuries, or conditions related to work in any way? And you know, it's possible you know, um, my loved one worked down at the 9-11 World Trade Center site mm -hmm. um, during the when the towers fell. And so it is possible that, you know, the cancer was due to that. But who really knows? You know, how do you answer a question like that? So there's a lot of these open ended questions. And um, I uh, one huge suggestion, use the note section, use mm -hmm. a note section to make sure you get across what you're trying to say um, and make sure you do everything very clearly because they are not the best <laughs> at interpreting these worksheets at all. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many worksheets I've sent in and got a call back and said, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're applying for. Can you explain it to me? You know? Wow. And like, so this is, I, this is just mind blowing to me, but like what I wanted to ask you was as a representative, I guess as an, you're, you really were an advocate for your loved one and still are, of course, was it hard to have that like established with social security? Cause Oh yes. Tell me, okay. Cause let me tell you. So mm -hmm. all the time I get asked as a social worker coming into someone who's like newly diagnosed with whatever illness that they're facing is, I was told you're going to help me with social security disability. And I'm like, uh, I, I can't, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can't call and pretend that I'm you and I can't be, you know, so what was that? Like, how did you become 
the representative, I guess? Yes, that's a great question because um, it was one of my main questions too, because like I said, like I wanted to be the one to take care of all the paperwork and all of this headache so that my loved one wouldn't have to think about it. And so I called Social Security to find out what it is that I need to do. Um, and in the end, I found out that I have to fill out a form that's called Form 1696. That's 1696. Um, and this form can designate somebody else to be your representative. Now, this is a whole other form that you have to fill out, also very lengthy, also very detailed. You have to fill this out. You send it in with the worksheet, with the, with the first worksheet that you send in, um, and it takes about a month for them to process. Now, in that month, I had to continuously call Social Security with my loved one on the phone or else they would not talk to me. Mm. So it does take a good month for them to actually process it. Now, were they able to do it via um, like a three-way conversation or you had to be there with your loved one? Um, they were able to do it via a three-way conversation. They didn't care um, how it happened as long as the loved one was there in some way. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. I, I got you. And at any point when you spoke with Social Security, did you find that, and this isn't to bash Social Security at all, listen, we appreciate all you representatives and everything that you do, but did you ever find like someone not to be so helpful? Oh yes, for sure. I mean, so when, after you apply and you have this case open now, mm -hmm. your case is open for two weeks. Okay. So I would call every week to see if there's an update on the case, because if there is no motion on the case after two weeks, they have the right to close your case. Mm -hmm. And if they close your case, that is truly the last thing you want to do because then you have to do all the work over again. And now this is nerve wracking because, um, if your worksheet arrives at the office and they're busy and it's on someone's desk, it's not your fault that it's past two weeks, but they can still close your case. You know, it has happened. So I would call frequently <laughs> to make sure that my forms are being processed so that they don't automatically close my case. Now you're assigned a caseworker. Mm. Um, I have called every caseworker that we were assigned to for every worksheet that we've sent in. Mm -hmm. um, we're assigned a new caseworker every time a new worksheet is sent oh, in. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, you don't get the same one, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And every time I've called them and left a message, I have never, ever in the last two years have heard back from any caseworker. Wow. You do not call back. The only time I've gotten information is by calling the um, – office and mm -hmm. speaking to the, you know, the, the customer service person when you hit zero, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, to, I, I, I've been able to talk to those folks and they are helpful. They, they can tell you as much as they can tell you. They now, can't this tell is you. Is local office or is this the 1-800? I'm sorry to interrupt. Yes. No, no, no. This is the local office. This mm -hmm. is the local office because they are in charge. Once your, once your case is assigned, it's assigned to a person in that office and only that office will be able to help you. Okay. So, um, I tried calling the 800 number because I couldn't get a response from the office and they were, they couldn't do anything. They said, you just have to wait for them to call back, mm -hmm. which they never have. But if you call the, you know, the main line and you hit zero um, and you talk to the person who has to pick up the phone, they often have a lot of answers. They oh. won't be able to tell you your case itself about mm -hmm. your case itself, but mm -hmm. they can surely tell you if it's being worked on or um, if it's been assigned to somebody else, they can kind of tell you a quick status update. Okay. Um, and that to me was helpful. Okay. Um, was it everything I needed? No, but it was helpful. 
I did, I did get misinformation. Mm. I did, I did get that a few times. I got some folks who didn't want to help. Um, also that just wanted to get me off the phone and I've gotten people who were amazing who would walk over to the fact, the physical fax machine to see if my application came through. So truly hit or miss. Mm. So let's say one of our listeners had to unfortunately go through the process. What would you say is step one they should do? Step one. (laughs) Step one, do your research, right? Mm -hmm. You want to do your research on the ssa.gov slash disability website. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to make sure that you have their starter kit, which kind of outlines everything that you need before you apply, which is very helpful in expediting the application process. Mm -hmm. Um, They have something available called a checklist um, that you can easily check off you know, each item you need, and they have information about how to apply. I made sure I did all of my research. I got all of the forms. I got the 1696. I applied immediately. Like just doing your research and having every have to have everything set up for you um, before you begin was very helpful. And I do feel based on everything that you've told us, it's better if you can at all to have some sort of an advocate or representative to help you. That's really the, the bottom line because I can't imagine like having to go through treatments and, and going to doctor's appointments and all, uh, all the other things that go along with it and having to deal with this. Absolutely. I mean, if you have a loved one, a friend, it doesn't even have to be a relative. It can be a friend, somebody completely unrelated. Anyone can be your 1696. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be a loved one. But um, if you have a really good friend, um, I highly suggest you lean on those people for help because this process is tough and Mm -hmm. someone who's already going through so much shouldn't have to also go through this. Right. That's true. That's true. And so I'll be sure to include the website and the form 1696 as well on the show notes, along with a lot of some of the other useful information that you gave us, Kim. But I also wanted to find out, so with your loved one, did you ever find out through their job if there were any benefits available with regard to disability? Because a lot of people get that confused. Mm -hmm. So in short, no. The job absolutely never gave us any kind of information. However, um, his job does offer um, insurance that you can pay for, mm-hmm. um, for either uh, illness mm-hmm. or injury. Mm. So, um, you know, my loved one, he had purchased injury insurance many years ago, has been paying into it for many years. Mm-hmm. He once, uh, you know, tore his Achilles and was out of work for four months and got paid a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, because cancer is not considered an injury, it's considered an illness, mm-hmm. they wouldn't cover anything. They would not cover um, any of the time off that he was out at all. So... I highly suggest um, that if you have an employer that will offer this type of insurance to do both, to, you know, get both injury and illness um, Mm -hmm. because they are not the same thing. (laughs) I've never even heard of that term in all my years. I have not heard that at all. Injury versus illness. Yeah. I always see in, at my company, it's um, we get short-term disability and long-term disability. Um, They don't, say whether they don't, you know, kind of uh, 
differentiate between the two, but a lot of city jobs, they do. What the city offers, um, because he works at a city job, you can pick different types of insurances. And because he didn't pick the illness one, he was out lots of money. Wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and there was no, you know, at the time of applying for benefits, there is no information readily available. Like if you don't ask, you don't get. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of what I have to remind people that I work with because they're always like, oh, well, my job would tell me. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> you have to look into your benefits and ask. And I can't, I can't encourage this enough, but like before you get sick, God forbid, we never want to think that it's going to happen, but it could happen. That's the reality of it. And why not have the information beforehand in case you need it? Like you should know. And then that way you can maybe see if you need to invest in some sort of private disability. I mean, it can't hurt either, you know? Yes, it absolutely can't hurt. I completely agree. And what do you think some kind of systems could be put in place? Like as a, as a person that have gone through this, that continues to go through these types of things, what do you think, could be put in place to make it easier for someone going through this moving forward? Well, I, I just wish that there was one place where all the research was already done for me. You know, I wish I didn't have to go scouring the internet for information. I feel like this type of thing should already exist somewhere. I mean, there's something, something exists for everything, you know, some things are always being created to make life easier. And I just can't believe that in this day and age, something isn't readily available that says, Hey, you're in this situation. Here's a checklist of everything you need to do. Mm -hmm. You know, there was nothing like that. I wish if there was some kind of system or, you know, informational page that can be put in place mm -hmm. um, to help folks do not just, you know, things with social security, but applying for any kind of government benefit, right. it would be so helpful. You know, all these government agencies, they're, they're so separated and they're run so differently that, you know, when you, when you're applying for one thing versus another thing, you're just, you're starting from ground zero again. You just have to do research all over again for, for something else that just doesn't live in one place. Right. Right, which is a lot of what inspired me to create this podcast as a whole. So I appreciate that you said those exact words. I promise, guys, we, we did not rehearse this. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, I, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> which leads me to my next thing, which actually, so Kim, I think I might have told you, but I'm not sure if I shared it with you, but I did create this ebook with a let's make a plan disability quick guide that I found that I, I did it almost I created it by myself based on my experiences with my clients and just having like a five-step guide like something super quick to kind of put in your frame of mind if you ever had to go through the disability process so I would really appreciate Kim I'm going to send you the link for it so that you can definitely look at it tell me if anything needs to be tweaked because I want our listeners to know and have this information yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. If I, I'm so glad to be on this podcast. Like if I can shout it from the rooftop so that somebody else can't, you know, doesn't have to go through what I went through, I, I, I will, you know? <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Kim. So um, the, I like to wrap up the podcast with the same question with all my guests. And so what are some misguided notions that you think people have with regard to social security disability? Um, so the main misguided notion is the one that 
I was misguided by, right? It was the one where I thought that he was not eligible for benefits just because he's still getting paid. Mm -hmm. And that is just wrong. It was, it was very wrong. <laughs> and I wish I knew earlier that, um, that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, other misguided notions is that everyone at social security is, you know, mean and you're going to have to wait for hours. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really not true. I got help pretty much immediately when I called the direct line mm -hmm. and that was really helpful. And a few times they, um, I, when I almost had to go into the actual office, they told me exactly what time to come in so that there would be no line and I could be in and out. So I think the idea of just having to wait on lines, um, and you know, not getting a lot of help. I also mm -hmm. think that is misguided. Sure. Was I steered the wrong way a few times? Yes. But overall, did I get the help that I needed? Yeah, I did. And it was definitely with a lot of perseverance and dedication. <laughs> yes. Yes. You, you have to stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kim. I appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy day and doing this episode with me. No problem. No problem. If you um, have any questions or if your um, listeners out there have any questions for me, I'm more than happy to respond. Oh, yay. So I'm going to include all of your contact. Well, not all of it, but some of your contact information. Sure. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> I know. Don't put my social security number out there. <laughs> no, I definitely won't. I promise. Thank you so much, Kim. You're welcome. Before you run, I'm going to go over some quick things that we made reference to in the episode. Definitely, if you're going through this or you know someone that's going through this, my best advice, which Kim highlighted, is the SSA Starter Kit. I'm leaving links to that. Also, if you can help it or if you, if you yourself are going through this, definitely not recommended that you do this on your own. If you can, appoint a representative. Compassionate Illness Allowance Diagnoses, there's a whole list of them and these are the different conditions where Social Security would be willing to facilitate your process of applying much more quicker than the standard six months that um, traditionally you have to wait. I also did look up some information with regard to the accident versus illness insurance info. If you are working for an employer and this is the case, you definitely wanna ask questions about it because this is very interesting to me. I'd never heard of this accident versus illness insurance differences. I'm always used to social security. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm always used to disability as far as short-term versus long-term. Never had I heard of accident versus illness. So definitely a big gem that um, Kim did share with us. Additionally, I would like to say anytime you're dealing with Social Security, you should expect to be on the phone quite some time. However, a quick tip that I always tell people, you want to call first thing in the morning. They open at 7 a.m. Don't call after 9 because you will be waiting for a long time. Also, Wednesdays, they do close early, so that's another challenge for a lot of people. I've had people get disappointed because they're thinking they're going to handle some business on a Wednesday and they end up being closed by 12 p.m. So that doesn't help you. I'm leaving links for an additional website that I have had the... Um, I've had the opportunity to go to several of their events, which is the Cancer and Careers website. 
They are a great resource of information and they have people on the phone that you can speak to. They have a lot of great resources on their website and this is specifically if you're dealing with cancer and work-related issues. Also, I have included Kim's information as well so if you'd like to reach out to her she did say that was open and you could definitely reach me as well and lastly I am including a guide that I made the let's make a plan disability quick guide just to help you some quick steps with a little bit of insight and just some ways to get you through the process in the event that you needed definitely feel free to reach out Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the Misguided Notions podcast.